can say without a doubt that the most advanced yoga I have ever done is raising children. And I used to wrap my legs behind my head every morning before coffee. My name is Sarah Ezrin. I'm a writer, yoga teacher, content creator, and the mom to two young boys. I recently wrote the book, The Yoga of Parenting, 10 yoga-based practices to help you stay grounded, connect with your kids, and be kind to yourself. One of the highlights of this journey has been sitting down with parents from all around the world to hear how yoga has informed their parenting. Their stories are fascinating, funny, raw, and sometimes heartbreaking. I spoke with step-parents, single-parents, grandparents, and though everyone's identities and family structures are completely different, all of these parents have the same intention, to parent from a place of connection. I am honored to share these stories with all of you in this limited series podcast, The Yoga of Parenting. All right. Well, I am very honored to sit here and to listen to what Jane Austen has to say. I call you the queen behind your back. I don't know if you know that, but like I like the queen of the Bay Area prenatal and now Thanks to the, uh, you know, everything going online, now the whole world, and, and I know people would come from all over the world to come study with you, but I feel like you've, you have an even wider reach now, which is so wonderful, and I'm just so honored to have you here. You've been practicing with pregnant people for 30 years, whether it was through your midwifery or doula work or eventually starting. What, what year was it when you started the um, Mama Tree and started Mama Tree was 06. 06, okay. So that's where you're coming up on your 20-year anniversary. It's very exciting. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, and, and I was teaching prenatal yoga before that, of course. So that's yes. why I just made up because the you know I just made up the prenatal yoga. I just combined what I know about midwifery and and pregnancy and postpartum and my love of yoga, and then I just like put them together, and it was like you know heaven sang. I mean, for me because it's really my life work. I mean, I loved being a midwife, but it wasn't really my life work. You know, this is my life work. So, I mean, I'm, I feel so lucky and fortunate to do something for a living that I literally, I practically like skip to work. <laughs> you know, I just absolutely love supporting folks at that threshold. It's such a poignant time in people's lives. And to be able to be there in that time is really wonderful. Well, there's two things I want to unpack from that because one of the things that you say in the book is that you like to be there at the threshold. And I want you to explain, I know in the book what that means, but explain to our listeners and our watchers um, what that means, which threshold you're talking about. Because we, we quoted in the book, but what are, where, what are you talking about? What's that bridge? Oh, I didn't read that part. So I, you're actually quoting me in the book? Yeah, you, I wrote it in the, I wrote the way what you said in the book. I said Jane's favorite part of her... <laughs> Oh my God, that's great. I love that I just said that and that's what I said in the book. I'll have to go back and make it, I'll have to read it. I mean, that part, (laughs) of course I read it. Yeah, I mean, it obviously it's it's a a rite of passage when we walk this path and there are so few acknowledgements of that in our culture. Cultures all over the world have ceremony and ritual for pregnant women and pregnant folks who are making the transition into motherhood and we don't have that at all. I mean- you have a baby shower and people buy a shit and that's about it. So to be able to bring a sense of sacredness into that time, a, a, a sense of like loving and caring in that really tender 
time. And it's so beautiful to be able to witness that. And it, the impact on that is, I mean, I, I, I feel it every day and I hear about it from my students every day. And, you know, I don't want to toot my horn, own horn, but people say to me all the time, the best part of my pregnancy was coming to the yoga classes and being in that space with the other people and just honoring the pregnancy itself. You know, pregnancy is so pathologized in our culture and we're basically terrified. We're terrified that we're going to do something to our babies. You know, anxiety is, is through the roof. Um, you know, just like everyday anxiety, but like clinical anxiety in the perinatal period is, I mean, people talk about depression and that's common, but anxiety is actually more common. And just to be able to come into a space and then maybe just take a little bit of the load off, mm. you know, to, to feel a little bit more ease in your life and in your body and in that moment. And hopefully when we do that on the yoga mat, it can translate into, into our lives in a really profound way. And in a way that we don't judge ourselves, you know, we, there's so much judgment that we have. And I know we fear everybody else's judgment, but the truth is most people are really self-absorbed and they don't really care what you do. I mean, they might, they might spout off something, but they're really talking about themselves when they're judging you. So I think that we are our own worst critics. And what I love about yoga is we get to step away from that for a moment and just be with ourselves as we are, you know, warts and all, right? The, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And that's what I, I love about the yoga mat. It just keeps you honest and you can just be how you are and, and then that's okay. And that's the space that you create. Yeah, I mean, that is the space that you create for people too because, yes, we know that as the yoga mat now, but that wasn't always the yoga mat for me. You know, the the yoga studio was kind of a judgmental place, you know, in, in my early years of practice and depending on the lineages that certain people practice under. And then there, you know, there's, you know, when you, when you have more high intensity, um, you know, where you're kind of like going towards things that are a little more performative or, you know, you're, you're at studios where it just, you know, it feels like those things matter. As we get older and we come to the mat more often, we learn, you know, obviously all of that that is, you know, starts to go out the door as the body falls apart. <laughs> and you're like, oh, right, leg behind the head doesn't matter anymore. I just, I'm happy I can walk. But you, you create that space for people that some, most of those people have never stepped foot on a yoga mat ever. And then people are coming in with all these ideas. There's all of this aspirational pregnancy now, especially because of social media, especially within our wellness world, what, you know, the pregnancy should look like. And you should just, you know, be in this flowing outfit, you know, down to the colors, the neutrals, you know, and all of that. And I love like coming into your rooms and into the spaces that you hold because you're like, no, this is real. Like you're going to pee, you know, you're peeing yourself. That's, you know, okay, not, not normal. But at the same time, like totally okay. Like I think you know, I, I think people have gone into birth in your class. Is that have people? Well, I've definitely had multiple bags of water break. Somebody asked <laughs> me that the other day. I'm like, yeah, I've been doing this for a long time, many times, many times. And I always say, I know it's like my students are probably horrified to hear this, but it would be my greatest honor to catch somebody's baby in the yoga <laughs> studio, <laughs> or at least I'll be there while we wait for you know, their care to come, you know, or they go to wherever they're going to give birth. But to me, like, like that, I mean, I don't know if that would ever happen. It'd have to be a pretty precipitous birth, right? 
<laughs> and pretty scary probably for other people, but I'm like, baby, I'll hold it down for you. <laughs> I will hold it down. And, you know, usually the bag of water is breaking. It's usually like somebody kind of tugs on me and says, Jane, I think my bag of water's break because, you know, there's yeah. a little moisture in their panties. Yeah. And there, I've definitely have had gro- well, you know, what they call technically gross ruptures, which is like just like water, like water. Like I have one gal. I like walk across. So she, she had this gross rupture. So she just had tons of water. And so she was walking across the yoga studio and I could see the edge of her yoga pants and I could see the drops of amniotic fluid <laughs> dripping <laughs> off her leg, the leg of her pant. I'm like, Oh my goodness. So <laughs> well, we have this idea of like what, what it's going to be, you know, from the media and that it's always this like gush of water. And then suddenly, you know, then the contractions come, but obviously it's a it's very unique to every different person. Some people their their your water could break you know days, right? Isn't it day, like how long before I mean I guess with the water breaking like what's the distance between when your water is starting to leak people versus are going to be in active should. labor within 24 hours after okay. bag of water's releasing, right? So um yeah, but mostly if the bag of water's releases in labor, if you're having a vaginal birth, yeah. the water's will release um during pushing because there's so much pressure on the bag. So that's, yeah, it's real. I mean, there, of course there's so much disinformation about, um, about how labor unfolds and what we, what we know just from media, we think that labor is, yeah, like the breaking of the bag. And then all of a sudden, sudden somebody screaming and yelling, you know, at their partner, like, you <laughs> and it's like, yeah, like that's hilarious, but that's not true. It's not yeah. true. I've never, ever, ever seen that in any place other than in a sitcom, you know, and then my kids love it. Whenever there's like birth scenes that we're watching a movie, they look at me the whole time because they're, yeah. like, <laughs> they're like, mom, you're going to be appalled. <laughs> And, you know, I, I kind of like being appalled. Was it Handmaid's Tale recently um, with Elizabeth Moss that there was where she she gave birth on her own? And I feel like the, the feedback from from people was that that was the most realistic uh, birth scene that they that they had seen on television. But for the most part, it is that uh, derivative, you know, the screaming at the husband, right? They're always like, <laughs> there's even the fact that it is like heteronormative. And you I, know. I actually haven't watched Handmaid's Tale. It just feels too... It's too intense. We had to stop. It's just too close. You know, yeah. I feel like we're not that far from that. So yeah, yep, in some yep. states. So yeah, I I, mean, I, I, lo- I read the book many years yeah. ago, but, and saw a movie with you know, years back. Well, and it's funny. Of course, I watched the British uh, show called Midwife. Mm. <laughs> I didn't know there was one. That's great. Oh, Sarah, you've never seen Call the Midwife? No. Oh, my gosh. It's these women. It's after World War II. It's all these young midwives, and they work at a um, uh, with nuns. So it's like the women in the full, like, habits, right, who are the, the also midwives as well. And it's all these young women who study midwifery and then they go and they do all, they do home birth. So it's all home, home birth in kind of a poor part of, um, of London. So. Oh, I would love really, that. That's oh definitely gosh. up my alley. You, you should check it out. It, they've, they've had like five, no, no, nine seasons. Oh my goodness. Seasons. Okay. Yeah. The characters are so great. They're just so fun. And anyway, so yeah, call the midwife, baby. 
Okay. All right. All right. That's that's going on the list. You know, I'm gonna do one, it. I'm gonna do an Instagram about it because if you don't know okay. about it, that means other people. I don't never know even about heard of it. it, and I know most British shows. I am like, <clears throat> you know, every episode of Downton Abbey, and you know, it's like, uh, you know, what was the Broadchurch, and yeah. Oh my god, I love all that many, stuff too. Many, many, many. So one of the things that makes your classes so special, as well as having this space for people to be as they are, is obviously your amazing personality, and you know what I what how I describe you in the book is your tell it like it is uh, sense, you know, which is always fabulous and funny and great when you were a student coming to your classes. But obviously, this is the Yoga of Parenting podcast. So I'm just curious for your kids when they were growing up. You know, I imagine that things were very much on the table. You never shied away from certain conversations. So what did that look like growing up? How was it received? I'm, did it change over the years, like in teen years, for example? Um, or did they embrace it the whole time? I'm, you know, I'm sure now as adults, they're like how lucky we are to have a mom like you. And um, But I, I imagine there were moments of t- in the teen years where it was like, oh, my God, my mom. <laughs> my mom is a prenatal yoga teacher. My daughter definitely hit it earlier than my son. One of the rituals that we have around um, their birthdays is that I would tell their birth stories. So that was kind of part of it. And initially, my daughter loved it. It was like, you know, for years and years. And then, um, and then, you know, of course my son, he's two years, three years younger than her. So he would be there to hear her stories too. Cause we have breakfast in bed and I tell the birth story. And, you know, I think she was probably around nine, 10, maybe 11. She was like, no, I don't want to hear that story again. And then my son would be like, I'll hear it. So then <laughs> she would be off in the other room and I would tell her birth story to my son. <laughs> so they've always known. I mean, I have to say, I have to say one of my proudest moments as, as a mom is that my son brought home like just a, 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 she, a, a quiz that he had in his sex ed class. And it had the, you know, somebody born with female genitalia had like, you know, and you had to label everything. He got A plus. Oh. He got everything right. I was like, my job here the is only. done. My job here is done. So that was one. But the other thing is, so a friend of mine gave me this book, and it was it was it, it was heteronormative. It was she gave it to me a long time ago, so it would be a different book now. But it was like a book for for young men on you know when you're sexually active, how to be a good lover, and talking mm. about female pleasure. I just got chills. And I gave it to him, you know, when he was probably, I don't know, 15, 16, maybe starting. He definitely wasn't having sex then, but I wanted him to have it. And I have to tell you, Sarah, when he left for college, so he's graduating this year, he took a book with him. And I saw that book in his luggage that he was taking to college. Your job is like, my job (laughs) is done, man. My job is done. And and then if you look around my house, there's like boob art everywhere and naked, naked ladies. And, you know, there's always been like kind of this celebration of the divine feminine in our household. And, you know, it's not like, let's sit down and talk about it. It's just around and kind of the reverence of the female form. And, you know, there's like pregnant sculptures everywhere in my house. And so <laughs> they've always, they've always been in it. But yeah, there was definitely resistance at one point, but they, they both came back around. 
which I, I knew they would. I, you know, I had no doubt about it, you know, that, that it's like, but they, that you have to go through that phase, right, as well of kind of, even if you have the coolest mom in the world as they do, like where you, you have to reject you in order to be comfortable and confident to go into this new phase of, you know, of college or leaving home or wherever they may be. Um, but I, you know, what I, th- I mean, that's what I say when I say your tell it like it all approach is like, you do talk about things matter of factly because it, that is what it is. This is our body. This is the body. This is what the body does. You get pregnant. This is what your body's going to do. These are the sounds you're going to make. These are the things that are going to come out of you. And to normalize that and to ground it and to bring it back down to the humanness of it all. Like what a gift, you know, and we don't, it, it, I don't know how other cultures are, you know, other than um, England and Canada, which is where my family is. But, you know, in I would imagine in more tribal cultures where people are, you know, you're, you're walking around with without clothing and the body is the body. And that's just, you know, there's just an acceptance and an understanding. And I think we get really removed in the West, you know, and especially in, in America where things can get a little more puritanical. So I, I just, I really appreciate that because you tap us back into that more innate and intuitive part of ourselves, which really is, you know, that's what pregnancy does for us, right? I mean, talk about that that side of us coming out where, you know, the other parts of the brain kick in and it's just all happening. So how has that informed your parenting? Which piece? Well, for uh, definitely yoga, we're going to talk about later, but specifically the piece of just, you know, accepting the body for, for what it is, you know, being like in much more of like an open, I mean, you said you were having these conversations with your son at a little bit of an earlier age and, you know, maybe giving him a book that most parents would have shied away from showing them to <laughs> and, and having the art around your house. So maybe you did, you did kind of answer it, but I'm just curious, like in your parenting methods and, and in limit setting and things like that, you know, were, were there discussions around that? You didn't really have the talk, but, you know, how did that all then influence your parenting? Just Yeah, like- I mean, I think it was always just a part of it. And because the body was never, like, something to be shameful of. And it was, it's not like we walked around naked. I know families who do that. We, we didn't do that. But there was never, like, any, like, shame around the body. And I, you know... I grew up and I know a little bit about your past. I mean, we grow up with all this like self-loathing and leading to all kinds of, you know, pathologies in terms of like illness and eating disorders and and those kinds of things. So, and, and I had a mom who didn't talk about it, but I knew, I knew she didn't like her body. I could, I could tell that she didn't like her body. So I just never let that enter our house. Like to me, I almost want to cry. It was such, um, it was so painful. It was so painful to grow up kind of hating your body. And it was, it wasn't really until I found yoga that I really like embraced my body, you know, and then, and and, like accepted like my body for its magnificence. (laughs) You know, I always tell my students is that we've been hoodwinked to think that our bodies are anything other than absolutely fabulous, that we are an exquisite design, you know, and, and, do we need help times? Yes, of course. Is there pathology? Is there illness? Yes, of course. But our bodies aren't inherently bad. And of course, we know from the first book of the Bible, we're told that we are certain, you know, made from Adam's rib, but also that that we're bad and we're wrong. And when you have, a, you know, a Judeo-Christian nation, 
it's in everything that's never been a part of anything. You know, my daughter got bigger and smaller in college and gained weight, lost weight. And, you know, I made every effort not to be like, oh my God, amazing. Or like say, oh, you know, I do have, I did have to tell her to cover up her boobs in high school, but (laughs) she grew really large breasts and I was like, oh honey, you gotta, you gotta put something on them. And she's like, this and she. This was when she had braces, and she said, "Oh, I said, you know, you're going to probably get unwanted attention." And she's like, "Oh, mom, you know what I just do? I smile at him and show him my braces." <laughs> I was like, "So that's." I was like, "So she's like that, like body positive, you know?" Yeah. And so, anyway, I think that's just kind of a an offshoot of me not wanting to do not not being around the culture that I grew up in, and also just having everything just really normal like it's mm. our human body you know yeah. we all have one and it's 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 normal and we like to celebrate them so yeah I think that's just kind of been always in the always in the mix I mean I think you know when the kids are younger and you're going through something like potty training and you know one of them takes a shit on the floor and you know you're like running with their poop to the bathroom and then you know there's all or like you're getting puked on and you know it's like you're taking them to the doctor you're having these conversations the bodies and and like you're obviously like I'm I walk around naked my kids are four and one and maybe some people will disagree with that but it's like the body is very it, it is very natural and you know every everyone's going to the bathroom together, right? Like there is no safe space. The door is open. And that is just, yeah, you know, you discuss everything and, you know, and, but then something happens as they start to get older. And, and, you know, obviously I don't want to know about like, you know, what's happening. I want my dad to close the door for sure. But I just wonder, you know, it's at what point do we start that disconnection from body and, and is that also, you know, what is to blame, like you said, for when we start to, you know, see our body as separate, see our body as something that becomes a project, see our body as something that we need to fix. Um, so yeah, I loved your answer because it, you know, I love, you know, can you keep weaving it in as these are normal functions of the body? This is a normal body. A body will change size. It will change shape. It will change ability. And how do we, you know, love it all the same and appreciate it for what it is and, and know when it's time to seek help, when it's time to seek help? Well, the, the crazy thing is we bought a house that has one bathroom, one bathroom. And like and you say that in the U.S., people are like, what? I'm like, yeah. one bathroom. You know how many times I peed in the tub when someone's sitting on the pot? Like, I'm like, I got to go pee. Like, <laughs> I got to go pee. So I'm hanging my butt over the tub (laughs) many times when somebody's sitting on the toilet. And so it's, I also think it just makes them really adaptable. And, you know, we always thought we'd build another bathroom, but like, yeah, a hundred thousand dollars plus later, you know, and all the permits in San Francisco or whatever, like it just never happened. It just never happened. And now it's just my husband and I, cause we're empty nesters. So it's like, perfect. (laughs) We don't really need another one. This is like a vacation. <laughs> I'm still, I, <laughs> I know. I, I tell my moms when they're in my, my yoga class, my students, that, you know, I'll hold their baby or watch their baby while they go pee. And I call that a spa pee, where yeah. there's like the doors closed. You can take your time and you don't have to worry about anybody like coming in. So you can close the door, take some breaths, do what you need to do in private. So. I had this moment yesterday. Don't worry, it won't be potty talk. Everyone's like, okay, all right, guys. But it was, it was, I put the kids in the car and then I walked around to the front door and I had that moment where like, this was my vacation. I was like, I'm going to walk very slowly. (laughs) 
to the front door. And I remember somebody telling me about that like a long time ago, that like those moments of alone time and how precious they are. So like whether it's in a bathroom, whether it's that, just that one minute of like walking, it wasn't even a minute, it was probably 10 seconds of like, you know, and like how You're special like, ah, and amazing. Everybody's strapped in, my hands are free. Yeah. Take some breath. Oh, I, I literally had that realization one time at the freaking dentist office. I was like, <laughs> this is so relaxing. Me, you know, when you're parenting two like little rug rats and you're just everything's so frenetic all the time, like where you are. And it's like just to have literally just have somebody cleaning my yeah. teeth. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> and one more trick on that note, by the way, and like I know my husband will listen to this and then beyond to me, but is always to tell them that like, I mean, I like to be everywhere 15 minutes early. So then I get, I also get that 15 minutes in my car because it's, you know, you just got to kind of like overestimate how close things are because if there is traffic, you want to be on time. But then I end up places, you know, five to 10 minutes early and I get to sit in my car and, you know, that's my vacation right there. I'm like, oh my goodness, that's where, that's where all the magic happens. <laughs> the same. Exactly the same. My dad was in the military. So if yeah. I'm not 10 minutes early, I'm actually late. Yes, so exactly. I always, and of course, I married that the polar opposite of that, right? Same. So same. I've learned to just like sit down and, you know, listen to a podcast or read a book or, you know, just like even actually even the other day. I had this out, you know, it's out in the living room and my husband was running late. And I was like, oh, that's fine. I'm just going to read. I got a book to read right now. But you're very sweet. I hear you. I know those few minutes in your car where you can just either close your eyes, take a break. I used to, you know, when I was pregnant with my second, I watched my sister's kid and her son is born two days after my daughter. So I basically nannied him for the first few years of his life. Well, I was just trying to figure out like what I was what I was going to do. I was teaching yoga at, at that time, but I wasn't going to go back to midwifery. So anyway, so I would um, so I, I would literally I'd drive up down. I know this is like not great for the environment, but I would drive <laughs> up and down the Great Highway or around till they both fell asleep. They're in the back seat, so the two little you know two year olds, two and a half year olds, and I would find a pot, spot in Golden Gate Park. I had a couple of spots that I liked. I would put the emergency brake down. That was back in the day, right? And then I would lie across the two seats and take a nap. I would just nap until they woke up. And it was glorious. And Probably the best well, sleep of your life. Knock on the window. I'm fine. I'm pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone. But, you know, it's, it's so funny. It's like the bar is so low. <laughs> in well, terms of I- what... Those little moments that you're just like, oh, I get this for myself. I mean, we can also get into the systems and how, you know, way, I, we, there should be more systems in place and, you know, why we aren't with our village. And, you know, you are your sister's village as an individual and why, you know, it, again, it goes back to, you know, living as a community and what we used to and where we are. And that's that's a whole other podcast and a whole other conversation. But I, I do just want to finally end with that and then we'll get into the specifics of the yoga is that in that thirst for the for the village in the thirst for ceremony i just want to commend you for creating that for people in san francisco and now the people all over the world they get to take your class because you are you are building that for us you're creating it in a time where so many people i mean i you know we didn't have any family at the time my brother was in town but he had his own toddler but that was it 
you know, when I was coming to your classes and coming regularly and, you know, and then I, I wasn't even like people were coming to your classes like every single day, right? You have people that are, that are attending three times a week and, um, you know, these sisterhoods are forming and pretty much everybody that I met in my mommy group was like, oh, I took Jane's class. I took Jane's class. So it's like, you know, even if we weren't there at the same time together, you know, later on it becomes this bonding thing. So I, I just want to commend you for being that thread that is weaving people together, that is creating that, that, you know, pod that we need. And then now later becomes the help that we need down the road. So thank you for creating that. Of course. And people come up to me all the time in San Francisco with their, you know, 15 year old or their nine year old. And they say, oh, I met some of my best friends, you know, my best like mommy friends um, in your classes. And I was like, oh, my work is done. (laughs) I mean, that's like, that's my greatest joy to hear that, you know? So I just had somebody tell me that on Wednesday, she was like, Jane, you do know that one of my best friends I met in your class and her kid is like nine. So Mm -hmm. anyway, but that that happens all the time, all the time. And I feel like, is it fair to say that that goes back to the threshold again? It goes back to the gate and like where you get to stand, you know, as you get to meet people like before as they're, you know, their start. I mean, some people come to your class that aren't pregnant yet that are, that are just curious. There's some people that train under you, but then they're, they are pregnant. They pass through the gate. There you are. Then the baby, you know, if, if, if the baby comes and, you know, the baby comes and then off we go, but then they go on and they're living their life. And that's, is that the, that's the gate we're talking about, right? It's that passing through to the other, the matrescence and into. But I'm there also on the other side of the river. Mm. So I teach those postnatal classes. I mean, they're chaos. Yeah, well, absolutely. I love in your book that you talk about doing tree pose in the K, like, like use Rikshasana for, I was like, oh my God, I totally do that in my class. Like if it's like <laughs> all the babies are screaming, then we do tree pose. Cause when the moms start to focus or the, you know, the new parents really start to like focus, the babies are like, what's going on? Yeah. You know, mom's not fussing with me. They're, they find their breath, you know, they're mm. holding their babies and they're breathing and almost always, I mean, not every baby, some babies sitting in a poopy diaper, but you know, a lot of the babies will just go mm. and calm down a little bit, but, but yes, that threshold, they come through the pregnancy, but I always say that I wait for them on the other side of the river so that I can welcome them. And that's part of the rite of passage. And that's where we come back to community because, you know, when you're pregnant, there's people around, there's people around, but like when you give birth, like that's your work to do, regardless of how your baby comes out. And we think about that as kind of the, the apex of the the rite of passage, but that's just part that's just part of it. And then the after, after going through the birth, like having somebody there waiting. And whenever the women go off and the people go off who are really, really pregnant, and you know, I'll say, if you're still pregnant, I'll see you on Wednesday. <laughs> or I'll say, if I don't see you on Wednesday, I'll meet you on the other side of the river mm. and I'll be here waiting for you. I just got chills. Like I wait for them and not everybody comes for all kinds of reasons yeah but they they come back and so many come back and sometimes you know four to six weeks is when they're supposed to after vaginal birth eight weeks after cesarean birth sometimes they'll come back sooner than that and they'll say things like I just I didn't know where else to go or I just knew I could come here and you know and this is my first outing I can't tell you how many people tell me that going to the postnatal yoga is their like first big outing like one mom told me the other day it was the first time I had the baby in the car seat and myself in the car alone. Mm. 
was coming to my class. So it's part of that rite of passage and, 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 uh, and I'm there and then, and then they graduate. And that's really kind of the, the end of it. Either the baby, cr- the baby's crawling or their mat leave is over, whatever, you know, whatever comes first. And I always like to create a little ritual around that. So we do a photograph and then I got little baby onesies made that said, my yoga teacher loves me, you know, with my little <laughs> logo on the back. And I get to present that to the baby and to the to the mama and the new parent and as a graduation gift. And maybe they get pregnant again, I see them again, or, or maybe this is the end of this chapter. And it's always such a privilege to be able to be there. And it's so needed, especially since, as you know, we have a culture that has no postpartum care whatsoever. For them to even know that there's, and, and I'm not offering postpartum care, that's somebody else's job, but for them to know that there's a place where they belong you know, and that they will be welcomed with open arms. And to like, you know, because you were, you were often the place where they last were before this tremendous transformation too, that it's kind of like, you know, you're shepherding this new phase, this stepping into, you know, matrescence as people are starting to call it, right? And I'm curious because you've been in the industry now for a long time. It sounds like a newer word to me and some moms, but has this been around, this has been around from the beginning of time. Will you define it for us, by the way, your definition of it for our listeners? Well, it's the acknowledgement of this transformation, you yeah. know, and coming into our, you know, motherhood or parenthood from this this place. And and it's so interesting because, you know, we think of maiden, mother, and crone, but there's also there's... It's so offensive, by the way. Yeah. Like, I, I, yeah. Well, I don't know. Maiden, I, I, I mother, love being called crone. a crone. <laughs> no, I, I love prone. I'm like, okay. I embrace, I embrace all the words. I embrace uh, all the words, man. I'm any, you know, I think I scared somebody in class the other day. Cause I said pussy like many times. <laughs> and I saw the first time I said it, I said it, her eyeballs like popped out of her head. I said, I don't know. I, I was telling a story about somebody's bag of water breaking and her pulling down her pants. And, you know, I'm looking at her pussy and I'm like, I've seen lots of pussies. I'm not afraid of pussies. And, and this gal. And I was like, Oh, that lady is not coming back came back i was like okay she was probably like yeah she needed that she needed that uh that permission (laughs) so but but talking about kind of the maiden mother and crone but there's also another piece to it that um you you must know kimberly ann johnson of course of course i like fangirled yes i'm obsessed with her you know the fourth trimester is like like that's like that should be necessary reading for everybody i read it twice and then i also sent her a book so you know we'll see if she actually reads it or not i mean they you know they gave me an address but um she i'm a huge fan k-a-j yeah she's amazing I just i want i want to be her like yeah she's her, book, her call whole the wild new, is that's what i was gonna say is the call of the wild is like the whole new yeah i've done jaguar workshops with her yeah I've, I just did a mothering um, workshop and it was just so beautiful, so insightful, so real. I just, I Mm. love how real she is and how honest she is. And it's just, to me, that's like, that's the sign of a great teacher. I always hate like in yoga, people are like, fake it till you make it. I'm like, that's crap shit. (laughs) Fake what? Fake what? Pretend you know something that you don't know? I mean, be honest. I mean, when I train teachers, I'm like, don't, you're not going to try to teach like me because you're going to suck at it. You're going to teach like you and you're going to be great at it. And you're just honest. And when you don't know something, you say you don't know something, but you have something to offer. So that's not faking it. It's just showing up and being authentic. And then your students will come to you, you know, and they won't necessarily, you know, I don't want to be on anybody's freaking pedestal. 
I mean, I, I love that you call me queen, but I feel like I'm more like a fairy godmother. I'm like, if, if you want a fairy godmother, I'll be a fairy godmother. I like fairy godmother. We could, we could do We could work with fairy godmother. Well, and I always say there was just a couple of things I'd give you. And one is patience. Mm. Like as you walk the path of mothering and parenting, patience, um, endurance. And I know you talk about that in your book and also resilience, you know, resilience when things get hard because things are going to get hard, you know, and then we have the opportunity to find our way um, to softness in the hard spots, you know, so that we can be kind to ourselves when things don't feel good or things fall apart. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, it's, I would imagine it's similar advice for new mothers that you would give new teachers, which is, you know, the don't fake it till you make it. Don't look around. I mean, you you tell me because it, it, it like that's what I was almost hearing was like, oh, you would be telling like a new mom this too, like, don't look at how I mother. Don't look at how your mother mothers or how your, you know, partner's mom mothers like, you know, how do you do it? Is that is that true? Yes, of course. I say it all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. even when I'm instructing postures i'll say follow your breath don't follow the person next to you they're following their breath that's not relevant to you you follow your breath so you know just kind of weaving that into um in into the teachings it's also like when you make decisions and choices that are different from somebody else sometimes those people think that you are judging them or thinking that they made the wrong choice. And that's not true. I mean, we all make the best choices that we can for our families. And what's right for one person is not going to be right for another person. And and that's all part of the yoga teachings. You know, you don't have to know Sanskrit to, to really bring these elements of the yoga into, into practice, you know, by just offering. And I think that's part of the, just like the acceptance, you know, I had somebody say to me, Oh my God, you have so much power to influence people. And I was like, I don't want to influence people. That's not my job. You know, and they were talking about like having natural childbirth or home birth. And I was like, you know what? That was my path. That is not everybody's path. And I don't have any judgment when people are making the best choices that they can with um, what feels right to them. I mean, I, I get a little like, my hackles go up when yeah. there's somebody having outside influences on the decisions and choices that people make. So, you know, I always, I, you know, that, that book, I think we talked about like a mother. Do you know that book? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That was another one of my, my required readings. So good. So good. Yeah. And I, I love what, you know, what Angela talks about in that book and it's just really the, you know, infantilization is the word that she uses mm. of pregnant people. Yeah. And it was like, Ding, 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 ding. It's like, yes. Like, why would a person who is a corporate, you know, CEO or lawyer or something all of a sudden, like, have to go completely outside of themselves when they are really capable, competent people? You know, there's so much fear and we look outside of ourselves all the time. And that's what we do in yoga. We, we, we let go of that and we go in. And I just trust that. Well, so I was going to ask if you can give us a specific example of a yogic tool that would help with that, because it's it's all, you know, coming to your class and then hearing you talk and you feel so empowered and then you go outside and then it's like, 
your mother-in-law sends you a text, you know, or you see aspirational motherhood on social media. So is there something specific in the yoga tradition? Um, you know, you and I, like we, we know we speak of yoga as an umbrella. Is there a specific practice that you can give to the listeners or the viewers that maybe they can walk away from when they are feeling like they need to, you know, find that inner ferocity? Obviously using your breath and, and using the exhale to shed and release and focus on your exhale when you're needing to like let go or if you need to be more nourished, more fed, you know, use your inhale to nourish you. So that language is all through the practices, of course. But sometimes you just want the person at Whole Foods to stop talking to you. So I always, you know, I have my list of things to get people to stop talking to you at Whole Foods. And one of them is, you know, I always do this like no thank you in the tapas practice. It's like back off, you know, sorry, you're under the delusion that your decision, that my decisions have, are relevant to you or, <laughs> or that your opinions are relevant to me. Or I'm always like, you can do this. <laughs> Oh, I'm just stretching out my fingers. My <laughs> wrists are really stiff. So for those of you listening, J- Jane is pushing her hand forward, like as if you were like, stop. And then very gently pulling the hands back, the fingers back. Look how flexible your fingers are, though, by the way. That was amazing. You were, <laughs> your fingers were or, so or, flexible. Or lion's breath, you know, where you stick your tongue out. Yeah. And also just bringing the humor into it. I think that, I mean, laughter is such good medicine and in tears. I mean, that's the whole beauty. I love it when, I mean, I love it when people cry in my class, but I, I honor it. I mean, it means that they're feeling like they're in a safe space. And I had a mom tell me not that long ago, probably about six or seven months ago, she just said, she just felt a tightness in her throat and she just had never really felt that before. And, um, and she started to cry and it was amazing when she started to cry she said, and she said she didn't even realize it until later, but that tightness like softened and she could breathe a little bit deeper. And it's, it's because there was this space that was allowing for the tears to come. And I mean, I always love the tears in the practice because it's, they're sacred. I mean, there's, they're sacred. They're, re- they're a release. And I always tell my students, there's a river of tears. So your tears are joining the river of tears that has flown, you know, in flow, flowed in this space, you know, so it's part of it. So just, just, you know, being kind to yourself and, and, and those practices are um, simple. Like even what you said about walking around the car and then just taking that moment to yourself and it doesn't have to be anything fancy. You know, we think of yoga you know, like what we spoke about kind of performative and peak poses and that kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, that's, you can do that stuff, whatever. But it's like having that moment of mindfulness, just walking around the car and taking some breaths. So, so reminding your students that they can bring these really simple practices into their day and into their lives. And it doesn't have to be um, on a yoga mat, it can just be paying attention. I mean, I would argue that most of the yoga that we do these days as parents is not on the yoga mat, right? That that what's on the yoga mat is more like dance and movement now, right? And like the, the yoga is actually being practiced off of the mat. But I, I end all of these asking the same question, which is how has your yoga, what's the most surprising way, let's start, what's the most surprising way that your yoga has informed your parenting? 
Because I think surprising is what always gives the best answers. Uh, certainly when the kids were little and I'd go to the yoga mat, it was kind of like a, a refuge from them, like trying to get away from them. And uh, yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Get away from them just for a little bit. You know, I mean, I, I was at home with my kids when they were little, so I had a lot of time with them. So I, and that, that was precious, but also, you know, that's what it was kind of initially. And then I just feel like it, it sort of evolved as the parenting evolved and more of like, really being able to bring the tools that I was practicing on the yoga mat off the mat and, and realizing that that was really informing um, how I interacted with my kids, you know, and, and how I was, would try to be more patient with them because, you know, children have small legs and it takes them forever to get anywhere. So, <laughs> so just having like, Cultivating that, cultivating that patience on the mat, you know, as I'm working through the asana practice and trying not to be too judgmental um, and then having that just like manifest in a completely different way than the asana, you know, because a lot of us come into it because the asana is fun, you know, when you've got a strong body and you're like, can do all kinds of backbends and you're doing all kinds of arm balances and it's like a, a party. It's fun. Right. I mean, that's, that's how I felt. Cause I was actually quite, I was, I was heavier. Um, and then I had slimmed down and I practiced, was practicing yoga and I was like, wow, this is really fun and really cool. And it felt very physical, um, you know, in those days. And then, um, and then something really shifted and, and I started studying the sutra more and really realizing that that, like the yoga sutra has affected my parenting way more than the asana practice. Mm-hmm. Studying with Kate Holcomb. I don't know if you know Kate, but she's in the Bay Area. She's amazing. She's got four kids. I mean, obviously anybody can teach the doctrines or whatever text, but there was something about learning from a mom of four, like how relevant, you know, if somebody has yeah. some kids and they can do, you know, three hours of asana practice a day, that's amazing for them. Like I'm not judging that. But I need the yoga when the shit hits the fucking fan. Yeah. Because my kid just broke something that meant a lot to me. Yeah. Right. So that's when I need the yoga. Having a teacher that can use kind of the the day to day, even the mundane stuff or the boring stuff Mm. to help us find our, our yoga practice where it's really impactful in our lives. Yeah. I mean, most of my yoga happens now I mean I still like roll up my mat and do postures and, and which I love I still love but when I get out in nature yeah. or I'm you know walking in the redwoods or on the beach my husband and I hopefully are going to go to the beach later I don't know the weather might not be cooperating uh, <laughs> it was so nice yesterday but we got so it was our anniversary yesterday so and we got married at Rodeo Beach in um in Marin so we like to go there and I swear I get on that beach and it's like, I literally, it's, have you, do you know that beach? No, because, and I'm in San Rafael, so I should definitely look it up. Oh girl, it's, it's, right, it's right in Sausalito. It's Fort Cronkite. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. You've probably been to the beach. It's got the little green rocks on there. Yes. We call it, we call it LGR, little green rock beach. <laughs> um, and I literally like face plant, like we get there. And it's the first thing I do is I just <laughs> face plant and breathe and, you know, 
Yeah. And it's funny because my husband's a surfer, so he's always looking at the waves and I'm always looking at the ground. That's amazing. What a good combination, right, though? It's like the grounding and the flow, the grounding and the flow. So, Jane, where can everybody find you? What's the... JaneAustinYoga.com or JaneAustinYoga on Instagram. And Prenatal Yoga with Jane Austin is Facebook. If you people, I don't really do that much on Facebook. So, yeah, I try to post really fun, interesting things. I do... Um, uh, mama tree prenatal yoga teacher training. I do it twice a year. I just did my first in-person one. I saw that. Yeah. How did that feel? Oh my God. It was awesome. It was so, uh, it was incredible. It couldn't have been better. It was just really exactly what I needed. Um, and so, but I am going to do one. My next one is going to be on zoom because it's international when I do it on zoom and I have people from Sweden, Germany, Japan, you know, and Michigan. <laughs> so Hawaii, I wanted a gal come in from Hawaii. So, you know, one gal from Singapore, what the heck? So, I mean, it's, it's, I, I want to be able to offer it. And then that's in a really different format. The, the in-person one is like five days certification, come to San Francisco. We'll just get this thing done. Um, and there's homework and all that kind of stuff too. And then the, the one that I do in the fall is actually really spaced out. So it's, it's one weekend a, a month. So that's kind of a new format. And I always want to make it really accessible to parents. Yeah. Cause you know, so there, some people will do like 10 day prenatal yoga teacher training. I'm like, what mother can yeah. take 10 days off their life to do a training? Like I, I just, I don't know who can do that. So I tried. It's always been my goal is to make it really accessible. And I used to say that it was um, a, the sound of a breast pump is the soundtrack to the training. You know? <laughs> like somebody <laughs> is up against the wall, pumping her tits. That's amazing. That's yeah. Amazing. So so that's that's my that's my thing that I love. I also do a birth prep workshop. It's a two hour. I call it prenatal partners. So I've been doing it for decades. I teach it every month, recommend third trimester. I do have a recorded version of it. So there is an on-demand version that you can find on my website. Yeah, send me links to all this and I'll, I'll put them all in the show notes so people can have easy access on, on how to find all of these offerings. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I know I know thank you and thank you so much everybody for listening and watching and however you're tuning in and just have the best day yeah thank you thank you Sarah I hope you enjoyed this episode of the yoga of parenting everything we discussed will be found in our show notes you can purchase a copy of the Yoga of Parenting book anywhere books are sold. And please remember to subscribe, rate, and share these episodes so we can get all this wisdom to as many parents as possible. Follow me on Instagram at Sarah Ezrin Yoga. And the original music that you heard both at the beginning and just a moment ago is by the amazing Egeman Sonley. You can follow Ege on IG at Egesan, E-G-E-S-A-N. And you can find all of his amazing music on Spotify. Big thanks to Kyle Rebar for being the best producer that there ever was. And big thanks to all of you for listening.